country on earth in shambles. Bill Gates already mapping out the next pandemic. The medical profession by law prevented from telling patients the truth. How do we survive this? Well, we the people stand up and stop taking it. We win at the ballot box and we do that by getting the truth out into public ears. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your warrior at the gate is Dan Newman. Right here at the gate, beside it, want you to come join me making sure we get facts out and we quell all of the political heaped up lies that are being told almost daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. And we have a huge show for you today. Steve Baker, old Steve, who's here every Tuesday in our second hour. He, in case you haven't met him yet, is a unbelievably well thought of, well versed, investigative journalist. He was all over the Capitol grounds on January 6th, and he is in the middle of exposing many of those who very corruptly interjected themselves into all the goings on that day at January 6th. And the documentary information and videos that Steve not only Uh, videoed a bunch of it himself. He is one of only three journalists that have been allowed in the Capitol video room, which is massive, to examine personally the 40,000 hours of video taken by a bunch of different people, cameras all over the Capitol grounds. He has spent hundreds of hours piecing together facts. And one of them, you heard him say and talk about on this show, Capitol Officer Harry Dunn, who was the prosecution's star witness in all of the trials of the so-called insurrectionists that took part in the goings-on that day. Harry Dunn is being exposed, and in this show today, you are going to hear eight minutes of an entry, uh, I, I guess the entry, the very beginning of the documentary that Steve Baker is putting together with um, the group out of Dallas, Blaze Media, Blaze Media. You're going to hear that introduction to this expose. You're going to hear some of the facts about Harry Dunn, and all you'll have to do, you don't have to record it or anything. We published the story that went live early this morning on Blaze Network. We published it at truthnewsnet.org overnight. In addition to that, at the bottom of that, we play the video, the introductory video that you're in just a few minutes going to hear the audio of. So you can get it all right here. And then I encourage you to go to the website, truthnewsnet.org and read the story. And you can download the story as well as the video and share it with people who you feel will want to know the truth, the real truth, about what happened January, January 7th, January 6th, January 7th, January 6th. <laughs> when you get old, what's missing one day, being off one day when you reference a calendar event? Well, it is a busy day. We have much going on, but never too much to start the show to help you get your day jump-started. And we're going to do it in a peppy way. Now, who says 
music in Nashville has got to be country. Who says that? A lot of people say that. And for many years, no question about it, that's what it was. That was the haven of country music for the world, not just the United States. But there's a little bit different stuff in some specific places in Nashville. Like this. Tim Akers. Tim Akers and the smoking section. Their version live from Nashville. Rock steady.
<laughs> not only is that as far away from Detroit, the home of Motown, that you can get, but that is Aretha song. She was the originator of Rocksteady. Remember Aretha Franklin? Oh, my gosh. I love Tim Aker in the smoking section. I'll tell you a story quickly. Good friend of mine, former general manager of the Bozier Shreveport Battle Wings, the arena football team that I owned at one time, he has moved to Nashville, and he's a country guy. Bush Bella, Butch Bella is his name. He's a country guy. When he went up there, I said, hey, look, look for this band, Tim Aker in the smoking section. They are uh, a big band up in Nashville. And he was like, ah, you know, they're not country. I don't know. He found a club where they were playing and he went and saw them. And I got a massive and huge letters, text from him the next morning. O-M-G. They're amazing, folks. I just like good music. I'm not a big fan of the old traditional country music, but filtered in to other kind of, you know, rock music, top 40 Small, uh, smooth jazz, things like that. You put it all together. It gives you a good flavoring of your music that you like. Well, if you didn't join us until right now or during that song, you missed the information that I gave at the top of the show. Today, we have a very special feature. Our front page article at truthnewsnet.org is a page from the Blaze Media Network, a story that was released exclusively at the Blaze Network and here at Truth News Network, our very own photojournalist, investigative journalist, Steve Baker, is in the middle of that expose of the wrongdoing and the aftermath of a bunch of wrongdoing and covering up and lying under oath at the January 6th debacle that took place that day and subsequent lawsuits and even criminal trials. And a bunch of lies are exposed. Steve is doing that right now. Specifically today, you'll read about, and you're going to hear in just a couple of minutes, the target of this investigation is former Capitol Police Officer Dunn. He is all over any news story, any video, any trial that you saw in the aftermath of January 6th event. Why is that? He was chosen, there's no question in anybody's mind that knows anything, he was chosen to be the front of the antagonism that continued against anybody that would disagree with the results of that 2020 election. Harry Dunn is the, at the center of it. Nancy Pelosi and her minions put him out front. And Steve Baker has, in documented fashion, exposed almost a hundred different lies that Officer Harry Dunn on national news and a bunch of other shows, and he wrote a book that came out last week, and he exposes himself over and over and over again. And Steve Baker and the Blaze Media Network, they have begun the expose. So you're going to hear the first video that's come out about this, and if you go to the front page today of truthnewsnet.org, that entire story is there. Plus, there's a bonus video at the bottom of the story that is actually the video that we're going to play the audio for you from. It's a really big deal. And I don't need to tell you, there's some really bad stuff going on in the world and 
in Washington, D.C. specifically. So, have you got your second, your third cup of coffee yet? It's 12 minutes after 9 o'clock in the central time zone. Well, just sit back and I want you to listen. Listen to this Blaze Media audio compilation that they put up in part one of this Officer Dunn expose. Private First Class Harry Dunn from the United States Capitol Police. Officer Harry Dunn acted with remarkable courage and valor to defend both our institutions and our people. The Capitol Police officer assigned to the protective detail of then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi appears to have given false testimony. This is perjury brought in to corroborate the testimony of another Capitol Police officer. It is imperative that we establish the truth of that day. The Capitol Police officer who just took the stand in the Oath Keepers trial. Sentenced to 18 years in prison. Generations to come will think of him. It never happened. The way he unpacks the stories. I don't conflate my story. Sounds like something a useful idiot would say. Officer Harry Dunn, in his new book, Standing My Ground, a Capitol Police Officer's Fight for Accountability and Good Trouble. Officer Dunn has been among the first Capitol Police Officers to describe what happened to law enforcement on January 6th. It is expected that when somebody does release a book that they're going to do a quote-unquote book tour, that they're going to make media appearances. The most unique and interesting thing about this book tour that he's on is that for some reason... No other, none other of the Capitol Police officers are allowed to tell their stories. What if Donald Trump wins again? Would you s? anything stronger? Let's make no mistake about it. There were a lot of officers injured that day. I have reviewed hundreds and hundreds of hours of video, and there was violence. I saw violence there that day with my own eyes. In the dozens of media interviews that he has participated in. I've seen you on TV many times. Has anybody ever showed a single second of video of his heroic actions that day? We need heroes like you. What we learned from the book, though, he goes into great detail about his own history of therapies, counseling sessions. And I'm now receiving private counseling therapy for the persistent emotional trauma of that day. Mostly dealing with anger issues. And of course, we did see some of those anger issues displayed. So he was already distressed, already seeing things, imagining things, escalating things in his own mind in a way that other officers weren't. I'm not gonna try and play psychologist because I'm not one. There's just something wrong with him. One of those incidences took place at the top of a stairwell uh, down in the crypt. Uh, It's a staircase that leads down to the lower terrace where a lot of officers were receiving first aid for their injuries. He was surrounded by some metropolitan police officers when inexplicably he just lost control. There 
was nobody doing any violence of any type in that room at the time. In fact, there was only a very, very a small handful of protesters in the crypt at that moment. And they were all the way across the room. And he just started screaming and shouting obscenities across the room. And at that moment, uh, Captain Ben Smith of the United States Capitol Police ran over to him, put his hand on his shoulder, you know, calm down, Harry, calm down. A couple of minutes later, Harry broke out in a run uh, towards the staircase that led up to what they call the small rotunda or the speaker's lobby. And as he's running towards those stairs, he accidentally hit the button on his magazine from his M4 automatic weapon. The magazine bounces off the floor. Three other officers run over. One of them picks it up and hands it to him. Then Harry runs to the top of the stairs. He's clearly agitated. He's in a high level of distress, not because he's been fighting with anyone when he reached the top of that stairs that was the moment when oathkeeper ken harrelson saw this highly distressed officer carrying an automatic rifle arrive to the top of the stairs already something's going wrong in his head there wasn't a single officer carried off on the stretcher that day There was another scene that took place in which he describes in the book not so terribly accurately. He says that he saw a, a protester who was leaning against the wall. Another police officer had given this protester a bottle of water to wash out his eyes because the protester had been sprayed with pepper spray. The book says that he was screaming obscenities to that protester and yanks the bottle of water out of his hand and then throws it, in his own words, halfway across the rotunda floor. Harry can be seen entering the rotunda. He's not running. But he does inexplicably walk the full length of the floor. He walks over to this lady sitting um, on a bench. She's wearing red and complete far end of the capital uh, or the rotunda from where he entered. He's screaming at her and she's doing nothing. And immediately an officer has to come over and intervene and actually takes the lady away from from Officer Dunn. Then Dunn walks over to the middle of the rotunda floor where a protester is sitting in the middle. He's not leaning against the wall. He's sitting on the floor. He has four or five other police officers around him. He does have a full bottle, bottle of water in his hand and inexplicably Dunn reaches down and snatches, violently snatches the bottle of water out of his hands, but he doesn't throw it across the floor. He just then ambles across to the other end of the rotunda and walks over and places the bottle on the pedestal of a statue. Then a higher ranking officer can be seen talking to another member of what they call the M4 unit, points it done, and basically you can see from his hand motion says, get him out of here. And that officer immediately goes over to Dunn and immediately waves him, grabs him, and gets him out of there. Once again, he was not in a position where he was de-escalating, where he was um, calm and collected, where he was in control of his own faculties. Officer Dunn, as a personal training officer who teaches de-escalation tactics and procedures, was not following the lessons that he himself taught those who he was in charge of training. The, uh, the, the January 6th committee was first put together. Nancy Pelosi is famously uh, recorded as saying, And it's also our duty 
to establish and preserve the narrative of that day. The stories we have coming out are going to show that there was a concerted effort to manipulate information, manipulate evidence, suppress evidence, and create evidence that does not exist in order to reach those goals of establishing the narrative. He's been put out as a hero. He received yes. some Citizens Award from Joe Biden. MSNBC has treated him like a god. As opposed to Tarek Johnson, what he actually did on January 6th that was heroic, but he's been villainized. I reached out to Harry. I've been very fair in my series about the Capitol Police. I believe that they were set up that day. I told Harry right from the get-go that I believe that he was set up as well. My heart goes out to him, and I hope that uh, Harry will eventually see way to maybe talk to me a little bit further and a little deeper and give me a little bit more inside information. That video and the complete story, part one of the expose of Officer Harry Dunn, is on the front page of truthnewsnet.org, our number one story today. I encourage you to go read the story, download it. Also, the video version of the audio you've just heard is there. You can watch it yourself. You can also download it and share it. What's going on? It's real simple. We were lied to. Americans were forced to swallow the political narrative prepared at the behest of former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and put out there. They created Officer Dunn. They propped him up. And let me tell you the most despicable part of that. Harry Dunn is a foreboding person when you look at him. He's 6'10". And he weighs well over 250 pounds. And he's African-American. You put those together. A cop that big, that towering, he's got a big, big voice, and he gets angry easily. And he's African-American. How caustic is that for white people in Washington, D.C., in a powerful position in Congress? Many say the most powerful position in Congress, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And they propped Harry Dunn up. They told him what to say. They actually wrote the narrative. He even lied in court over and over again, under oath, spewing the narrative that those that were using him, training him, like a pet, and they don't care that in all of that he implicated himself. And these were federal trials that sent multiple people to jail who many of are still in prison because of the lies that were created and pushed out using other people to do so about the January 6th. And every one of us know what it's based on, hatred for Donald Trump. Hatred. The far left do not want to ever see Donald Trump in Washington, D.C. again. Certainly, if he goes there, it's only to be in a trial in which he's going to be convicted and sent to prison for the rest of his life. Now, why do they hate him so much? I don't want to go back and expend a lot of your time this morning talking about that, but we need to keep in context the details, 
always, I've told you from the very beginning of TNN Live four years ago, I've told you, follow the money and watch and listen to the narrative and always question everything you hear coming out of anybody in Washington, D.C., especially a Democrat, especially a Democrat in Congress. Wow. We may never know all of the facts, just like 9-11. I don't think we'll ever know every detail. In fact, I know we won't because every once in a while now we get a crumb that is thrown our way or it's uncovered that exposes some of the so-called official narrative of that day. This, my friends, is going to be an epic chapter in the corruption history of the Democrat Party in Washington, D.C. Well, once again, thank you for being here today. I'm sure you've heard a lot of news. We're going to get into a little bit of the debate later on, probably at the top of the second hour. But besides that yesterday, a couple of big things happened. The Oversight Committee has finally issued subpoenas for the Biden family members, key associate to defend foreign business dealings, and that's to get to the bottom of their stories about where and why and what about all that money that just filtered into the various people that make up the Biden family syndicate, and why was it sent to them? We know the answers in part, but it's really different when you put somebody under oath. It should scare a lot of people. However, there are a bunch of people on the left, they do not mind lying. And it's always been because those above them in a position of power and the law enforcement agencies like the FBI, the Department of Justice, even this attorney general have the backs of every member of the Biden family syndicate. So they lie with impunity. They don't care. They don't care. We're going to hear a little bit about that in just a few minutes. But I just wanted to let you know the details of it. Sometimes when you get the news reports, they just give you the... uh, the, the very top of the information, and you don't get it all. They did send subpoenas out to multiple family members and one key business associate to have them come in for depositions in Congress. That's under oath, folks. The Oversight Committee, they subpoenaed Hunter, his uncle James slash Jim Biden, former business associate Rob Walker, and calling them in to answer questions about the Biden family's foreign business enterprise. Here's what the accompanying notice from me, coming from the House Oversight Committee, here's what it says. The House Oversight Committee has followed the money and built a record of evidence revealing how Joe Biden knew, was involved, and benefited from his family's influence peddling schemes. Now, the House Oversight Committee is going to bring in members of the Biden family and their associates to question them on this record of evidence. It was hearsay until Representative Comer's Oversight Committee exhaustively drilled into all of the flags that were out there that showed things, but there was no evidence. There's evidence now. Unlike the many lies President Biden told the American people about his family's business schemes, bank records don't lie. This is from the House Oversight Committee. These records reveal how the Bidens sold Joe Biden around to the world 
to benefit the Biden family, including Joe Biden himself, to the detriment of U.S. interest. The House Oversight Committee, along with the Committees on Judiciary and Ways and Means, will continue to follow the facts and deliver the transparency and accountability that the American people demand and the American people deserve. On top of all this, the Oversight Committee is requesting interviews from Jane Biden's wife, Sarah, Hunter Biden's ex-lover, Hallie Biden, former business associate, Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter Biden's wife now, Melissa Cohen, and Hallie Biden's sister, Elizabeth Secundi. All those people are involved in the money. None of them, none of them had any business being involved in any U.S. government stuff, especially laundering money, and they all were involved. The Biden family and its associates brought in more than $24 million from Ukraine, from Russia, from China, from Romania, and Kazakhstan, and it all happened from 2014 to 2019. Comer announced these subpoenas for Hunter and James' personal and business bank records in late September at the conclusion of the hearing. The Oversight Committee, just a little going back and refreshing your memory, in October they revealed the 200 grand payment James Biden sent to Joe in March of 2018 on the same day the distressed health care company AmeriCorps had loaned $200,000 to the former James Biden. Biden in that documentary, evidence that came, hard, cold evidence, he told the company his last name could, quote, open doors and said he'd use his political connections to secure a Middle East investment. Bankruptcy court documents show that. Comer unveiled bank records November 1st that outline how Joe got a $40,000 check from Sarah Biden in September of 2017. That's Jim's wife, Sarah. Shortly after money from China flowed into Hunter and James Biden's bank accounts, both checks disclosed by Comer and the Oversight Committee are classified as loan repayments. The White House has defended the payments to Joe as loan repayments from his brother, Well, Comer wrote a letter in October requesting financial documentation of the loans from the White House. Of course, if there are loans, there's document somewhere that's going to verify that. The terms, the paying, how much, all of that stuff. And guess what the White House did? They, quote, declined to hand them over. Well, you can't hand something over if it doesn't exist, right? Chinese firm State Energy HK sent Walker $3 million in 2017. He proceeded to send $1 million of that to Biden family accounts, another $1 million to company linked to former business associate James Gilliar. Bank records released by the Oversight Committee confirmed that in March of this year. That's how long this thing has been going on. The FBI interviewed Walker in December of 2020. He confirmed State Energy HK is an account belonging to Chinese firm CEFC. That's a company whose Chinese business associates met with Joe after his vice presidency concluded. You know, the calendar and timing of all of this is critical to understand 
and to be able to correlate that this really was the Biden family syndicate doing what syndicates, financial syndicates across the world since time began have always done to enrich themselves and those around them. The Biden family and its business associates, they created more than 20 different shell companies. Now, what were those for? Obviously, used none of the companies. They have nothing to show for all the money that they received. No jobs being completed, no sales, no any realistic business acumen is shown by any of these 20 shell companies. They were strictly to launder money, to hide it. Most of the companies were limited liability corporations formed during Joe's vice presidency. Now, that's from bank records. That's not an assumption. Walker used the Robinson Walker LLC, that's one of them, to take in payments from CEFC State Energy HK account. That's out there now. Now, what's going to happen? I'm not going to speculate. I would bet my bottom dollar that Joe Biden, his Department of Justice, his Attorney General are going to fight like Hades to keep anybody from responding to these subpoenas going to appear and provide one additional bit of information. And he's going to play the POTUS card over and over and over again. Why? How? I'm Joe Biden. So get set. It's not going to conclude soon. I promise you. Wow. Did you hear about the election on Tuesday? Every bit of news, top to bottom, not just on the leftist news outlets, but also places like Newsmax and Fox News, they talked about it was an unbelievable election for the Democrat Party. And people begin to uh, talk about, postulate what's going on. The Republican Party is dying. They're running around in circles, can't get anything done. And as you can imagine, and as you should do, which I tell you all the time to do when you hear all this stuff, go find the facts. Go find the facts. Here's one. Republican candidates made some gains on Long Island, New York. Now, wait a minute. That's a bastion of the filthy rich Democrats in the world, right? Long Island. Didn't hear about this yesterday, did you? And the strides and gains they made, they're building on victories the party got in, oh, I don't know, 2021 and 2022. Ed Romaine became the very first Republican elected to head Suffolk County. That's New York. That's out on Long Island. First Republican in 20 years. He beat Democrat David Colony in the race for county executive on Tuesday. Republicans got control of the entirety of Long Island's congressional delegation. They flipped two seats in 2022. Nobody's out there beating the drum about that, are they? And they won the election for executive in Nassau County, the other county that makes up Long Island. They won that back in 2021. First time. All of these are first time in U.S. history. County executives in New York are responsible for collecting taxes, 
maintaining infrastructure, providing services to all their voting constituents. Romaine ran on hiring more cops, preventing illegal immigrants from entering Suffolk County, and fighting cashless bail laws. Go figure. Something fundamental to government when government is done by the people, for the people, and about the people. Romaine won with roughly 57% of the vote compared to his opponent's 42%. The last time the office was up for election in 2019, the Republican nominee only got 43% of the vote. This is a repudiation. This is a backlash against policies dictated by New York City Democrats. They've gone too far to the left for New Yorkers. Suburban and rural voters have had enough. That's from Republican Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeholm. Recent polling in the Big Apple in the city, which is adjacent to Long Island, by the way, in case you don't know the geographical layout up there in New York, New York City, Long Island. It suggests that residents are disappointed in how the Democrat-run government is handling this influx of migrants that are arriving every day in the city. One poll released by Siena College back in September found 41% of New Yorkers support the construction of a border wall. Now, the rich ones would like for that wall to be built around Manhattan. (laughs) The other ones think, we got to go back and get the Trump wall finished. Republicans also maintain their majority in Nassau County's legislature. GOP had a good night in New York City, too, defending all their city council seats, gaining one in the Bronx. You didn't hear about any of this in the news yesterday, but it's all good for conservatives. And it reveals, it confirms what you and I and many others have felt were the real things going on behind the scenes. But it doesn't feed into the preferenced Democrat Party line of thinking. So what do they do? They don't do anything. They don't talk about it. Now, while you slept, the United States, our military, finally began to act and do something about the, um, the strikes against Americans in some of those bases that we are at in Syria. They've been attacking us. Iranian-backed militias on base in Iraq and Syria hosting U.S. troops numbered 41 on Wednesday after at least one more was confirmed. 41 attacks. The retaliatory strikes mark the second time the U.S. has targeted facilities linked to Iran and its proxy militias since this wave of attempted drone and rocket attacks started on the 17th of last month. This precision self-defense strike is a response to a series of attacks against U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria by Iranian force affiliates. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said this in a statement. The president has no higher priority than the safety of U.S. personnel. That's BS. And he directed today's action to make clear the U.S. will defend itself, its personnel, and its interests. And there should be a caveat at the end of that. If and when Joe wakes up, and somebody can get his attention long enough to tell him what's happening and make him understand it. You're being a little snotty today, Dan, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm tired 
of all the pontificating and the politicization, I am ready for the people that supposedly serve us. They start looking for finding and revealing truth and only truth to the American people. Do you think that might be a pipe dream? I sure hope not. We are told that President Biden directed these attacks in eastern Syria, and they targeted weapons storage facilities that are used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and affiliated militias. Also, two US F-15 fighter jets conducted these airstrikes, so they were pretty pretty serious about it to go to that much trouble. The U.S. is fully prepared to take further necessary measures to protect our people and our facilities. We urge against any escalation. U.S. personnel will continue to conduct counter-ISIS missions in Iraq and Syria. Now, wait a minute. We were told by mainstream media that ISIS no longer existed. Why? Donald Trump obliterated it. I think the news people are being told we need to ramp up and create a faux opponent, a faux terrorist operation against us so that will justify us doing anything we do against them if Joe Biden decides to do that. There's always a political hit piece behind the scene. We've got to feed that hit piece to make sure that every Democrat saves face and never gets blamed credibly for anything that went wrong on anything that they did. And if they didn't do something and it created something that was good, them not doing it, then they'll take credit for not doing it. Barack Obama and Joe Biden for eight years, he perfected that process and we all watched and lived through it for eight years. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. So a lot of people in the nation have come alive and are waking up to some of the so-called facts that have been shoved down their throats by fellow Democrats, the legacy media, mainstream, screaming and hollering, very little of what they've been fed and what they have absorbed, most of them have, is true. And it's being shown every day to be that way. What specifically does that include? You need to hear this. And that's next. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Goppert's from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the French fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy, the white round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert, they're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Howdy, the streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. 
It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Guardian of the Truth, Knight of the Republic, Speaker of the Facts, Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Isn't it something when you want to get some facts, you want to check something out and you just turn on the reality light, how much you learn that you were being told before that's untrue. In other words, downright lies. We're seeing that happen every day. And something I want to impress upon you, we need to be careful. And here's what I'm I'm talking about. Start documenting. Start a journal. Go to your uh, Apple peripherals, whichever you have, and go to the Note app. And every time you hear or see something that is critical to you, your family, to your government, to the nation, to the world, that's important enough, just jot a little thing down there beside it and make a note of the date, the details. And here's why I'm telling you to do that. We get so much crap shoved down our throats, we can't remember it all. And then if we remember it, we're going, now who said that and when did they say that? And if you've got something you can go back and reference, especially with the title, just a couple of words about the specific thing you're talking about, and you can go back and look it up, you'll find out that probably all of the bad things that are happening in the United States, by the United States, for the United States, and even overseas involving the United States, you're going to find out later you were lied to. Don't question me. You know how I know that? Because that's what I do. That's what I've been doing for a long time. It's incredible. Even though I go into everything looking for something that will verify it's not true. I go in it for that. But then there's so much, so many different things that I forget about it. And then when it comes back up later, I couldn't go find it. Now I've created a little plan that helps me get my arms around it. It is unconscionable how many of those incidents there are. And they know we're busy. We're busier than we ever have been. We've been kind of coasting every now and then through the last four or five years because we could. Our economy was good. We weren't in any wars anywhere. We were in the process of very eloquently and in great planned format about to withdraw 
from Afghanistan. And all of that was good stuff. We didn't have to worry about everything. We didn't have to think through everything we heard from one of our members of the U.S. Congress, either in the House or the Senate or both, and anybody in the White House. They pretty much were giving us the facts, and everything just kind of got a little easy for a while. Did you ever think that the structure, the infrastructure of the greatest, freest nation in world history could fall apart at the hands of one person in less than three years? I would have bet a lot of money that that could not possibly happen, but it is. And so every one of the isms, every one of the nasty things that are out there, racism, all the others, I'm not even going to go through the litany of the names of them all. You know them. But the social leftists are doubling and tripling down on all of those things. Why? Because they're being proven every day to telling us unobliterated, unadulterated lies about far too many things. Two North Dakota higher education institutions were hit this week with civil rights complaints over what? Tuition reduction programs open only to specific racial groups. Now think about that. These are leftist, leftist universities. And they're picking who they're going to allow in and subsidize financially with taxpayer dollars based upon specific racial traits. This program's called the Equal Protection Project, filed civil rights complaints against the University of North Dakota and University of North Dakota School of Law for tuition reduction programs that are only available to non-white applicants. That's according to complaints obtained by the Daily Caller. UND's website cites the authority of the North Dakota State Board of Higher Education, a policy they have that encourages institutions across the state to use tuition waivers to promote enrollment of a culturally diverse student body. These institutions of higher ed in North Dakota seem to have taken it upon themselves to institute discrimination, which is not required and is, in our view, unlawful. That's coming from the EPP founder, William Jacobson. UND's Cultural Diversity Scholarship Program, that's what they call it, a diversity scholarship program. It's open to students from underrepresented populations. And, of course, the university defines that. Their definition is the only one that matters. They define that as African-American slash black, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Latino slash A slash X, Hispanic American, or multiracial. That's according to an October 30th archive of the website. There's only one, one sector of America that they left out. White people. The UND School of Law offers a similar cultural diversity tuition waiver. UND's website now says 
that it is currently reviewing awarding requirements for fall of 2024. It's particularly shocking to us that the University of North Dakota School of Law would even do this, because if anybody should know better, it's a law school. (laughs) Forget about that law thing. Oh, it's just out there to make people think that uh, uh, they're going to get treated fairly. We're not going to treat them fairly. We're going to pick and choose. After all, we're the Democrats. We can do that. These complaints allege the programs violate the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 64. Other than that, there's no big deal. The North Dakota University System Director of Communications and Media, Billy Joe Lorius, he said that each institution in the system develops and administers its tuition and fee waiver programs to meet their needs using locally approved procedures. That policy allows institutions to offer waivers and states that, quote, institutions are encouraged to use this authority to promote enrollment of a culturally diverse student body, including members of Indian tribes, economically disadvantaged students, for the benefit of all students in the academic community, unless you're white, unless your parents are at least middle class. That's me throwing that opinion part in. And this is to promote enrollment of graduate students in research and for other purposes consistent with an institution's mission, according to the policy manual. Once again, leftist educators are choosing to violate federal law, multiple federal laws, and doing so with impunity because they know better than the law. And if you put that, what I just said, in the context of not just this, but in this other thing, there's one guy running for president. Yeah, we had five people up on stage that are running for the Republican nomination last night. And you had another one across town in Miami that had his own uh, campaign showcase. That would be Donald Trump. They're all running. And there's no need for them to run. Because these people that are running these universities and arbitrarily choosing who's going to get free education at that level, and by the way, whoever they decide to give it to, you and I, as taxpayers, we're paying for most of it, if not all of it. But they can do that. The same guy that just signed off on this, and he signed off on it, he probably doesn't even know about it, but he would certainly say it's okay and righteous if he was in this conversation today, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is singularly responsible every year that he's been in office and until he leaves office, every year on his watch, at his behest, 100,000 Americans, ages 18 to 35, every year, 100,000 of those Americans are dying from fentanyl poisoning because that man, Joe Biden, refuses to have anybody in his federal government law enforcement offices to enforce the rule of law. He is killing, personally, 100,000 people every year. And they expect us to think these people that have all this power to do those things and not to do those things They're better than all of us. 
and we should just sit down and shut up. Why? Because they're telling us to. Now, this planet, those two universities, public universities, law school and university in North Dakota, they're there and they're bragging about the fact they're doing exactly what they want to forget about facts. We played a little bit of Cory Bush's rant on the House floor yesterday over the censoring process that was underway when she went postal and just started screaming. Dave Rubin yesterday, I like his podcast. Dave Rubin picked a little bit of what Cory Bush had to say and put it in context so even I could understand what's really going on lack of understanding and a lack of seeing the humanity of folks who look like Rashida Tlaib. Cori Bush is another member of the Hamas caucus. She's sort of, I would say she's the dumbest of all of them. AOC, like she's, she's kind of like an idiot, but she's very calculating and she knows how to use media. So I put her as the leader. Rashida is like the most committed and she's like a genuine racist. I'd put Ilhan in that bucket. Cori Bush is just like the extra one that they were like, could we just find an idiot who could just like scream and genuflect and swing her arms all over the place and scream a bunch of stuff that she has no idea what she's talking about. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we found Cori Bush. Here she is. Of uh, a lack of care and a lack of understanding and a lack of seeing the humanity of folks who look like Rashida Tlaib. It's outrageous that my colleagues are blatantly, blatantly attempting to silence the only Palestinian American representative right here. Um, it's outrageous, but it's not surprising. And let me tell you, it's not surprising because this place is where 1,700 members of Congress, this elected body, enslaved black people. It's not surprising because they thought it was right. It's not surprising because this is a place where members continue to claim that the insurrection on the Capitol just appeared to look like a normal tourist visit. It's not surprising because this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeatedly speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators, xenophobia, and more right here in this workplace. This is the place. And let me say this. She mourns for the 1,400 Israelis. The gentlelady's time has expired. She mourns for the 10,000, and she will not stop. No the gentlelady is no longer speaker. recognized. The gentleman from Maryland. Gentleman from Maryland is recognized. Okay. Note that I don't have to scream, nor wave my arms, nor thrash around my head, or have trouble breathing when I tell you that that woman is a deeply anti-American, anti-white bigot and buffoon. See how easy that was? That was easy. I don't even know that I had a heartbeat during that whole thing. It was very, very easy to do. But what these people do is overly emote and they act, again, LARPing, live action role-playing. They are pretending to believe any of the things that they said. Nobody cares that Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian. It's because she supports Hamas. And if she really cared about the Palestinian people, she would want them liberated from Hamas. Again, Israel has not had a citizen in Gaza since 2005. The entire world would have loved that place to turn into the second great place uh, on the Mediterranean coast right there with Tel Aviv, just miles south. Right? And thrown it in the Jews' face. See, we made a place even nicer than Tel Aviv. They could have done it. 
They could have done it, but instead they literally took pipes that were sent to them to build water infrastructure under the ground and they turned it into rockets. So thus, when you have to defend bad ideas and bad people, you have to scream and you have to thrash around and go completely berserk. Yeah, real facts, those matter. Ah, Talking about those tubes to build the water infrastructure, remember this, Joe Biden, just recently, several months ago, he decided to go ahead and send $450 million of our tax dollars to the Palestinians for more infrastructure projects? How much of that money do you think was used to kill 1,400 people October the 7th? How much? Why would we pay these people knowing historically Israel gave Gaza to the Palestinian people, not Hamas, but to the Palestinian people in 2006, just gave it to them and said, look, here, that's 25 miles. It's all on the Mediterranean. What a big deal. Do you know what that is? You heard Dave Rubin even mention, it's a huge deal to be on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea for tourism. Oh my gosh, if you've been there, which I have, it's beautiful. And Hamas comes in, the Palestinian people said, we're going to have free and fair elections here. They hold an election, and guess who won every position that was part of those elections? Hamas. And so Hamas takes all the good stuff, all the money, including a bunch of American money that we have given the Palestinian people to help them out, and they weaponized it to use against who? Those evil Jews that they tell us over and over again need to be exterminated from the earth. You can't make this up. Our government has lost its way. There is nothing good coming out of this government right now. Prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. I want to say, hey, I was wrong. There is some good stuff coming out of the government. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KVB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. 
Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Again, Dan Newman. Those of you who were aboard yesterday when we did TNN Live, I was talking about the Republican debate that happened last night being to the world from Miami. NBC conducted uh, that particular debate. We had five Republican candidates on the stage, five. Those are the ones that are left besides the the holdout for all of the debates so far. That would be former President Donald Trump. Now, I told you, I wanted anybody, just send me an email, and I want to talk to you live on the air today, today being Thursday. I want to talk to you and get your opinion about the debates because I have not watched any of the debates so far. This was the third one. And I've got to apologize to a bunch of people because I didn't think about my putting that out there was going to intimidate anybody. I got a couple of dozen people that sent me emails. And every one of them basically asked this question, hey, I'm not real keen on going on the air and talking. I'm not a pro and I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to look bad And so I called a couple of them. And after I called a couple of them, I realized I intimidated everybody. And I apologize for that. You've heard me interview dozens of people, special guests on this show. I never go after anybody, even if we have differences of opinion. That's not what this show is about. That's not what our website, the stories we publish, that's not what we're about. So I thought it through and I said, a couple of them said, if you really want me to do it, I'll do it. One of my buddies, longtime buddy on the West Coast, uh, he even responded, and he's not afraid of anybody, anything. And when I asked him, we were talking about something else yesterday, and I said, did you hear the show today? And he, he did. And I asked him what he thought about it, and he said, wow. He said, that's going to intimidate a lot of people. And I asked him if he would do it. And he kind of chuckled, and you're going to like what he said. He doesn't have, he doesn't have cable television. And he said, if I did, I wouldn't waste the time watching the debate. So all that being said, I broke my promise, and I watched the second part, second half of the debate. And I'm just going to give you my synopsis, if that's okay. And if you've got a different one, hey, feel free, call in, toll free. 1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. So remember, I told you we had five Republican candidates in the debate. They were inside Night Concert Hall, a really cool facility in Miami. But when the debate started, there at the Night Concert Hall, the streets around it were deserted. Nobody was out. Uh, But just 15 miles away, there was a Trump rally. 
10,000 people were inside for the rally and all around it, everything was a bus. So if you know anything about Miami layout, Night Concert Hall is just north of MacArthur Causeway in Miami. On the streets around that venue, just another Wednesday night in an empty business district hemmed in by massive road and condo construction projects. Biscayne Boulevard, most of you know where that is if you have any uh, any history being in or around Miami. Biscayne Boulevard and Bayshore Drive were braced with metal barricades for a two-block radius around the hall. Security need not have bothered nobody but police, media, five riot control horses, three dogs, and it was easy to count 12 people. <laughs> meandered through the Northeast 14th Street intersection near the venue's front doors, and this was during the two hours that the five GOP hopefuls debated each other inside. The streets were empty as despairing reporters from across the country searched far and wide to find somebody to interview. This never happens, presidential debates. Yeah, it's quiet. That was one lone officer manning a checkpoint at Northeast 15th Street said. That's a good thing, right? He didn't sound too sure about that. Seemed a bit a bit disappointed. Xavier Presley, age 67 of Miami Beach. He knew where everybody was, 15 miles away in Hialeah at former President Donald Trump's counter-rally to the debate that he refused to participate in, the third one he's done so, And he likely will be, for the fourth debate, not show up in Alabama next month. This guy, Xavier Presley, was at the Trump rally, was standing on the corner of Northeast 2nd Avenue and Northeast 14th Street, holding two vulgar signs addressing the former president and Florida Governor DeSantis, drawing cheers and jeers from the heavy traffic. He was the guy of the moment. Reporters were funneling from the media filling center at the Marriott and Media Row across from the hall to find and interview the protester. However, Mr. Presley's picture and videos of him won't appear in most publications. You know why? His signs, his hat, and even his white pants and shirt were plastered with a bunch of vulgarities. But he was entertaining, at least, and fulfilling the role as the protester at the third GOP presidential debate. He said, I've been protesting ever since Dr. King got killed. Noting he's a certified chef, has been a high school football referee and baseball umpire for more than 30 years. Presley doesn't like his governor, Ron DeSantis. I'm disappointed that he really thinks our history of slavery is something you can hide, he said. I took that, well, personally. I really took it personal because they deny slavery just like the people who deny the Holocaust. This stuff, and he didn't use the word stuff. He used another S word. This stuff is real. Oh, by the way, Presley doesn't like President Trump either. Presley said this. He said he was the best baseball player from New York. That got to me. Oh, I can't deal with that, he said. That's the biggest lie he ever told. Right there. (laughs) 
that that was the best debate of the night. Oh, you could get into it. If you like baseball, you could get into that argument for sure. (laughs) Down Northeast 2nd Avenue, hidden behind a fence in one parking lot, there were suddenly people, about 40 people watching the debate before a stage with a food truck and an ad hoc bar outside. It was the Ruthless Podcast Watch Party with podcast celebrities Smug, Holmes, Duncan, and Ashbrook in attendance. You know them well, don't you? Well, Dan, I only know the one that's named Smug. Smug, Holmes, Duncan, and Ashbrook. (laughs) When asked their full names, they said there was no need because they're the number one conservative podcast. Everyone knows them. Plus, Duncan was a little bit cranky. Ruthless podcast founder John Ashbrook, he said he wasn't necessarily surprised that the streets around the venue had more dog walkers and cops on horses than protesters or looky-loose or people hawking clever T-shirts and buttons on the street corners. There's a big television audience, he said. President Trump has, of course, a huge audience out in Hialeah, That's not far from here. But I think there are a lot of people who are wondering, is there anybody else who can put up a fight? And we're learning that tonight. From what I saw in the debate, I only saw the second hour, I'm being honest. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley and DeSantis both made a lot of really good points in the debate. I think it would be good for President Trump to respond to them. Be good for him to come maybe to the next debate. I think that, but then I say, nah, what does he stand to achieve if he does that? All he's going to be is a target for them to throw their arrows at. I think it would do him well to show up and remind everybody just how talented he is. Nope, not necessary. We all know it. Ashbrook, you know, the podcast guy was very interested in debate commentary on China. All the candidates on stage talked about how we have to reorient ourselves with our relationship with China. I appreciate that, he said. Every candidate on stage reflected a much more aggressive posture, not just to China's economic warfare, but the cultural war that they're waging, China, against America. Comfortably smug said this, DeSantis did a great job offering several real names that sound as real as comfortably smug. I'm surprised a lot of candidates didn't try making the case against Trump more. That should have been a centerpiece of the argument they made because Trump is far ahead. He's way ahead. So he continued, you have to make the case. It seems to me like former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was basically the least significant. I think Ron DeSantis won this particular debate. I've not said that up until this point, but I think this was his strongest launch. I think you kind of argue about everything else. So what about those in Miami? Manny Gonzalez and Andrew Perez, both of Miami, were not among the podcasters at the parking lot watch party. Gonzalez said he believes Nikki Haley has stepped forward as the GOP rival who can challenge Trump, but is very impressed with tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. They each had valid points. Each was on point, he said. 
Vivek is kind of young, but give him a few years and he'll be unstoppable. He's a forceful speaker, right on point. Perez said he didn't think any of the five on stage distinguished themselves enough to seriously challenge Trump. You know, obviously, we're all on the same team, being on the Republican side, but I think they're going to have a difficult time beating Trump, he said, noting the whole point is to elect someone who can defeat President Joe Biden in 2024. Boy, that was a nugget of wisdom to say. I think a lot of us forget that, beating up on each other. But it's pretty easy to beat up on Joe Biden, don't you think? I think at the end of the day, what's happening right now in Israel will be like what happened with Trump with COVID. It's Biden's COVID with what's happening with this war in Israel. And that obviously is not going to work to his advantage. The Israel-Hamas war has created a division within the Democrat Party where everybody just backstabs Biden. So maybe he may not even run. A lot of Democrats are coming out saying, don't run, age, delusional, weak, you name it. So this is all good for Trump, and I think he's going to win. There was no moon last night over Miami. The song, Moon Over Miami. You may not remember that, I do. But overheard, like a 10-story derrick on the street, crane booms loom over Miami. Mr. Gonzalez and Mr. Perez enjoyed the warm evening in the post-debate debates. That's my point, Perez said. Trump, I think he's going to win. You know who I think won tonight? The NBC commentators, those three asking the questions, they handled it. They never let one or two or three or four or five of those on the debate stage take over. You remember those first two debates? I didn't watch them live, but I watched little bits of them afterwards. It was total chaos. I was blown away by how they just let those debates get out of get out of hand. Those candidates up on stage, they were just like a bunch of kids jabbering at each other. You couldn't make heads or tell of what any of them were saying. Oh, well, I think these debates are needless. I don't think anything of substance is going to come out of it. I just don't see that happening. And yes, I think Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And I think none of the litigation pending, none of it, none of it. Did you get that? None of it's going to stick. And any that does will almost, if not immediately, almost immediately be overturned on appeal. That is my personal opinion. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a lawyer. But I've been around enough, as most of you have, to see when somebody is filing charges against somebody just simply because they hate them, not because there's anything factual involved in the allegations that are made. It was kind of cool last night to look in on part of the Trump rally when Arkansas Governor Sarah Sanders showed up, and she last night made a major endorsement in 2024 for the Republican presidential race. 
Our country, she said, has never needed Donald Trump more than we do right now. That's Sarah Sanders talking to that crowd at Hialeah. And if you don't know where Hialeah is, it's between downtown Miami, not on the water, but a little bit off the water, and it's north up towards Fort Lauderdale. And there is a very famous uh, thoroughbred racetrack there. High-dollar races have happened there for many, many years. We've got out-of-control inflation, the governor said, violent crime, an open border, a rising China. Biden and the left have failed over and over again, and they know it, and you know it, and it's time for a change. That is why tonight I am so proud to endorse my former boss, my friend, and everybody's favorite president, Donald J. Trump, she said. The rally is seen as a counter, a programming move by Trump as the events being held at the same time that third GOP primary debate was being held. Trump's the commanding frontrunner right now for the nomination. He makes his third straight White House run. He's once again skipping out on participating in the debates with his Republican rivals. Sanders, in case you forgot, is the daughter of former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, and she served as White House press secretary for two of Trump's four years in office. She's been a strong Trump ally since he left the White House. She was convincingly elected up in Arkansas for governor last November. She swept that election. She stayed neutral until now in the Republican presidential primary race. Her holding off making an endorsement irritated the former president, according to some sources in Trump's political orbit. DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who served as ambassador to the United Nations during the Trump administration, they're battling for second place right now in the polls in Iowa and other crucial voting states. And can you believe we still have a year to go before we have that election? It's incredible. It's still a year off. It seems like we never stopped campaigning and getting into the political back and forth. It's like we're in a permanent election cycle all the time here in the United States. We've got to find a way to simplify the selection process. I think we ought to seriously consider cutting the election cycle, the campaign cycle. I think we need to cut it down and don't let anybody start campaigning until a specific point. I also think that we need to stop campaign fundraising totally. Now, how would they get elected, Dan? I think everybody who qualifies, the the American people ought to have a fund created, our money. Yeah, we could divert some of our tax dollars. And through an allocation process, depending on the specific office these people have qualified for and are running for, a certain amount of money would be given to each of those who have qualified on the campaign basis of the office they want. And that's all the money that could be used. They they can't cheat. They can't spend their own money if they're multi-billionaires. That way, everybody that qualifies to be a candidate for any race has an equal right to tell their story to every American or every person that's running for any office. 
That is a doable thing. But the American people in large part, they believe that elections are being bought by campaign money. Just like everybody thinks Congress, members of Congress are being bought by lobbying money. I don't remember a single, I know there are some, but I don't personally know of a single person in Congress, House of Representatives or the Senate, who went to Congress when they went there and were multimillionaires. Now, the flip side of that, on the end of that, the other side of that is, I don't know anybody that came out of Congress that wasn't a multimillionaire when they came out of Congress. You tell me, how's that possible? Not going to start anything? Just throwing a nugget for you to consider out there. How does that happen? Now, speaking about the House or Senate, I think you know by now my favorite member of the U.S. Senate is John Kennedy, senator from my state, Louisiana. Well, the Senate Judiciary Committee, when there are people nominated for various positions in an administration, they've got to come before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Those committee members ask them questions. They put them under oath. They try to find out what these people are all about. John Kennedy got into it with one nominee for one position. And Kennedy, we all know John Kennedy is like your grandpa. Slow talking, he's from the South, thinks through everything, every question he asks before he asks it. He is typically very kind to those that he's, uh, he's speaking to and questioning. But this one particular thing, it flew into... I guess the thoughts or ideas from Sheldon Whitehouse, a U.S. senator, one of those pontificators, a Democrat from Rhode Island. He is filthy rich, and he came to the U.S. Senate being filthy rich. But I wanted you to listen to this back and forth, and not just the stuff at the end of this between Whitehouse and John Kennedy, but I want you to listen to the questioning by Senator Kennedy and this appointee and her answers. Professor Sharon, you you uh, you're you're a professor at Yale Law School. I am. Okay. Uh, and you, I see you've been pretty active on Twitter. I'm looking at one of your tweets from a few months ago, October 30th, 2023. I'd like to read it to you. The House Republican stance is. I kid you not, support for Israel as long as we make it easier for people to cheat on their taxes, end quote. Did you tweet that? That's correct, yes. Okay. Um, How many Republican congressmen or women did you talk to before you made that statement? I was reacting to the fact that, and we've talked about it actually. Yes, so ma'am. Far but in first, if you could, how many Republican uh, Congresswomen or Congressmen did you talk to? I didn't talk to them. I actually was just reacting to the legislation that was proposed. You didn't talk to you didn't talk to any of them. No, sir. Before you said that every single one of them 
supports Israel only if if it is made easier for people to cheat on their taxes? I actually don't think that every single one of them believe but that. But that's what but you I, said. But I do think that the legislation passed by the House reflects a statement of purpose that but, in order to support Israel, but, but, it's important but I'm looking to at what you said, allow taxpayers to be thought. able to cheat you on their taxes. You said that every single House Republican, none of whom you talk to, would only support Israel if it was made easier for Americans to cheat on their taxes. Now, you said that, Senator and you didn't Kennedy, talk to any of them. Senator Kennedy, I am, I am struck by, and perhaps this is something on which we agree, that it is incredibly important to support Israel. It is also incredibly important to make sure that taxpayers well, I'm not, I, I, I can, We agree on Israel, but share. I just can't believe you would say this about members of Congress. It's pretty pejorative, vicious. Let me finish. Without talking to them. I mean, would it be possible for somebody to support a reduction to the IRS budget because they simply believe the federal government ought to have a, f a balanced budget? Would that be a fair position? That would would be, that be a principled position? Except that that actually doesn't work with respect to defunding would it, would it the Would it be a principled position? It wouldn't be an accurate position because okay. defunding But you don't know because you didn't talk to anybody, did you? Well, you just said it. Defunding the IRS, the CBO agrees, everyone who's testifying today agrees that well, that is going to add to deficits, could, not could reduce it, Could it be that a, a House Republican wanted to reduce the IRS's budget because they think that the IRS is a model of inefficiency and shouldn't be rewarded with more money. Well, Could Senator, that have been a possibility, a motivation for the way they Senator voted? Kennedy, I so appreciate that question because the reality... Could that have been that a motivation for the way they voted? And it relates very closely to what Senator Could Reed that have said. been a motivation the for the way they voted? That you've seen an inefficient... Could that have arrest? been a motivation for the way they voted? If you allow the, the witness to voted? answer, you might get your answer, Senator it, it Kennedy. It frankly couldn't have been. It could or couldn't? It could not have been. How do you know you didn't talk to him because the reason why you've seen you just the IRS made this statement that that every every republican in the house supports israel only if it, it has been made easier for people to cheat on their taxes could it be that maybe a house member thought that well the more money we spend the more deficits we have and the more deficits we have, the more pressure is put on interest rates, and the higher interest rates go, the more it hurts the poor. Could that have been Senator the position Kennedy. of one of the House Republicans? Senator Kennedy. Could it have been, theoretically? It couldn't have been, because could it, everyone It couldn't agrees. have been? It, it frankly could How do you been. know you didn't talk to him? Well, I know that everyone agrees, including witnesses across the aisle, including CBO, including every single tax expert that has contemplated this question, that defunding the IRS makes deficits worse, not better. And so this is a I, deficit measure. I just find it, measure. Professor, appalling. Appalling that you would make a statement like this, a vicious statement like this, without talking to a single person about whom you made this statement. And I'm going to remind you, you know, you, you're only, you can only be young once, but you can always be immature. 
And you ought to think about that. Thank you, Senator. Thank you. Uh, let me just say that I think that the treatment of witnesses is beginning to degrade a bit here. And um, I'm going to strike some commentary if it continues down this road. I think personal insults to witnesses are not uh, appropriate, and I will not uh, be um, tolerant of that in this committee. Well, could I respond, Mr. Chairman? You, you're going to fire away. I think you just called a. Uh, you're you're going to do what you got to do, but I'm going to continue to use my time. You, you bring witnesses, as you're entitled to, and some of them are very good. Some of them uh, have, 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 uh, have the credibility of Michael Avenatti. And I'm going to use my time when I think it's appropriate to, uh, to test. Use, to, and I'm going to use my authority my thought, as Shel, chairman. To test as credibility, witnesses' well credibility. In order so you to do what you got to do, and I'm going to do what I got to do. Good behavior in But if that Senate is meant to, to, to bully me, you're, you're talking no to the wrong to bully guy. You. Okay. No attempt to bully you, none at all. It's to keep the witness and the committee free of bullying. I'm entitled to test their credibility, and I think we, one of our witnesses just got tested. I think what you just heard was the epitome of what Congress has become. You heard Senator Kennedy asking that witness a specific question about something that she said. And the response, the accurate and the logical response to it was very obvious. She refused to express the real reason, the only reason that she could have stated that was that she does not believe in conservative ideology And she is so hell-bent on making that point that she pejoratively included every Republican, every single Republican in Congress, that the only reason they could even think that way was if they had no sense, no understanding of the issue, and them feeling that way denigrates them and makes them unworth expressing an opinion about that one thing. And it was about the 80-plus thousand IRS agents that Joe Biden and the Democrats passed to fund. Every one of those was going to be armed. They were going to carry a handgun. They were going to go visit people. And, of course, if you remember, the purpose that they gave for doing that was Joe Biden's going to go after all these billionaires, these billionaires that don't pay their fair share. We're going to go get them and make them pay. And he needed 82,000 new IRS agents to take that on. Do you know how many billionaires are in the United States? Less than 6,000. So he needs 82,000 IRS agents to go call on billionaires. This kind of stuff is what frost Americans. We just get sick and tired of hearing it and dealing with it every day and doing it in the name of righteousness and protecting democracy. I'm sick of hearing Sheldon Whitehouse and those of his same ilk in the Senate and even across into the House of Representatives. We don't need you to pontificate to us. We're not stupid. We can listen to interviews and draw our own conclusions. You folks need to do the same thing 
and you should find a way to lock in, zero in, and make truth the one thing you live with 24-7 instead of trying to put yourself up on a pedestal and put everybody else that thinks differently down in the gutter. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peak. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or affiliate. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Truth, justice, the American way. The Truth News Network. Once again, here's Dan Newman. Yeah, I get a little amped up when I hear this crazy stupidity coming out of people that are supposed to be educated. Sheldon Whitehouse, multimillionaire, family money, yada, yada, yada. He pontificates about everything, and he destroys people if and when he can when he's questioning them in testimony. And he took on one of the greatest orators of our time, John Kennedy, who is so plainly, obviously expressing simple truths when he speaks. And White House, he just decided, I'm going to take over, and he was the temporary chairman of that committee hearing, no question about it. But you give somebody that has a lot of money, you give them a little too much power, and that combination is deadly. People die from stuff like that. Now, speaking of dying, we haven't talked today about much regarding what's going on in Israel, in Hamas, where they live in Gaza and what's going on there now. But we are going to continue for the foreseeable future. We're going to see and hear more horror stories about the barbarian 
ways that these Hamas thugs, and they are thugs, you can't even call them terrorists anymore. They're just plain old thugs. And some of the latest stuff that's come out, and I'm looking at it right here online, I will not put it on our on our website for anybody to see because it is horrible. Hamas terrorist gang raped an Israeli woman before one shot her in the back of the head while he was still having sex with her. Israel's Lahav 43, that's the name for a crime-fighting umbrella organization known as the Israeli FBI. They've been working to gather evidence of sexual assaults during this invasion, this incursion by Hamas. The investigations are part of the force's effort to prosecute Hamas terrorists who were captured during the attack on October 7th that left more than 1,400 Israelis dead. Some of these investigators say interviews with suspects have shown that they plan to reach the center of Israel as well as take control of a settlement for an extended period of time while taking the residents hostage and planting mines across those areas in Israel. However, this plan was thwarted by Israeli security forces, thank God, reserve units and civilian groups who fought back against the Hamas invaders. And if you look at some of these pictures, folks, it is nauseating. It makes me busy. While gathering evidence, Lahav 433 also took testimony from a woman who said she witnessed the gang rape and murder of another young woman. Haritz reports the witness told officers of how she watched the shocking attack unfold as she hid from Hamas gunmen wearing military uniforms. She said, as I'm hiding, I see the corner of my eye that a terrorist is raping her. They bent her over, and I realized they were raping her and simply passed, passing her on to the next gunman. The witness says the victim was alive, on her feet, and bleeding from her back. But then the situation was that he was pulling her hair, and she had long brown hair. That woman told officers one of the Hamas gunmen shot her in the head while he was raping her, didn't even lift his pants. I know this is gross, but we've got to understand there's some horrible things happening in this in this world. And it's happening among people that we know are bad people. What we never would have believed this kind of stuff was being carried on by supposed civilized people. Her testimony has been reported in a number of Israeli news outlets. It was one of thousands of pieces of evidence gathered by the cops. Another male witness said he didn't see the rape itself, but confirmed the other witness told him at the time what she had seen. Until now, reports of sexual violence carried out by Hamas terrorists were based on testimonies from first responders who arrived in settlements on October 7th in the aftermath of the beginning of these attacks. Once there, they said they found bodies of naked women with signs of abuse. Zaka Rescue and Recovery Personnel, the ultra-Orthodox volunteer organization that helped to retrieve and identify bodies, have detailed a number of atrocities, including sex attacks. It's understood that Shin Bet, the Israeli security agency, and the police have held hundreds of people suspected of being involved in the massacre in custody. They're still in custody. 
under Israeli emergency regulations, they need only be brought before a court every 45 days with Israeli officers working to piece together the events of that day. Police seized the explosives that they carried into Israel. Haaretz reports that a senior police source has said most of the suspects have admitted their part in the atrocities, while a few still deny their involvement. It said a few claim they entered Israel looking for work. Yeah, right. The publication said that Israel's state prosecutor's office, 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, they went there looking for work. (laughs) Israel plans to charge them with being party to the crimes through the participation in the assault across the border from Gaza and attacks on civilians and soldiers. Haaretz says anybody found to have been in a specific community will be charged with cases of murder, rape, and abuse in other communities too. However, the Israeli publication says efforts to link suspects to specific crimes have been harder. Why? Because many bodies weren't photographed due to the condition they were found in and the chaos in the aftermath of the attacks. In addition to collecting testimonies from these survivors, police are scanning 50,000 video files to identify specific suspects with the help of a facial recognition software. Same one that the FBI used to find all those people, those Americans that went to D.C. to perpetrate and be part of an insurrection of our government on January 6th. Let me just say this. That software is pretty darn good. They're going to find a lot of people. It's understood police have managed to connect some suspects to murders. One suspect said he had murdered a man with a hammer and described a tattoo on a woman's body. Investigators located the woman who was injured but not killed, as well as the man's body with wounds that probably were caused by a hammer. So they'll continue their investigations into the October 7th attack for some time. They're going to keep going until they find all of the evidence. IDF ground forces battled Hamas terrorists in dense urban neighborhoods from which tens of thousands have fled in recent days. Israeli troops were around a mile and a half from Shifa Hospital in the heart of downtown Gaza City, Israel has been vague on troop movements, but officials say Gaza's largest city is the focus of their campaign to crush Hamas, their words. The IDF says Hamas's main command center is located in and under the hospital complex and that senior leaders are hiding there today using the facility as a shield. Hamas and hospital staff deny this, They say the military is making up a pretext to strike. So what about Palestinians? Not Hamas, but Palestinians in Gaza. For them, the hospital is a symbol of civilian suffering in the war. Like others, it's been overwhelmed by a constant stream of wounded people as medical supplies dwindle. Tens of thousands of displaced people have been sheltering in and around the complex. Scores of wounded people were rushed to Shifa overnight. Abu Selmiya told Associated Press, At dawn, a shell landed very close to the hospital, but thank God only a few people had minor injuries, he said. 
The conditions here are disastrous in every sense of the word. We're short on medicine, short on equipment. Doctors and nurses are exhausted. And we're unable to do very much for the patients. Now listen to this. More than two-thirds of Gaza's population of 2.3 million, more than two-thirds, have fled their homes since the war began. Many heeding Israeli orders to flee to the southern part of the besieged enclave. The exodus from Gaza City and surrounding areas in the north has accelerated in recent days as people run out of food and water, flee intensified shelling, and advancing Israeli forces. So here comes the big boys, United Nations, the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, They say 50,000 people fled south on Gaza's main highway on Wednesday during a daily hours-long window announced by the Israeli military. It said hundreds of thousands of people remain in the north. There are clashes and shelling near the road. Evacuees reported seeing corpses alongside the road. Most are traveling on foot with only what they can carry, many holding children or pushing older relatives in carts. Israel is focusing its operations on Gaza City, which was home to some 650,000 people before the war, and where the military says Hamas has its main military infrastructure, including a labyrinth of tunnels. And I'm looking as I share this with you, I'm looking at pictures of video. Let me tell you where to go to start seeing and reading and viewing these to get factual context. Daily Mail, www.dailymail, front slash, excuse me, here we go again, www.dailymail.co.uk. All of this stuff is there, and these people, They do have a dog in the hunt because this is happening in their part of the world and they're not happy about it. I'm speaking about DailyMail.com. I hate it, but it seems like most of our media members over here, U.S. media, we don't dig hard enough. It's kind of like they want to do shock value reporting only. But if you just dig down in all of this, which I do every day, The particular story I'm looking at now has about, oh, I don't know, probably a hundred different pictures with captions that identify exactly what's going on, where it is, who's involved in it. And it's incredible what's happening over there. And here we are in the United States of America. I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana, in my studio at my house, Olivia. Our four-pound Yorkshire Terrier is up on the studio console. She's passed out dead asleep. Everything's cool. There's no uproar. We're not worried about anybody coming to try to take advantage of us or kick us out of our home or drive us somewhere. Nobody's shooting at us. Nobody's dropping bombs on us. Nobody's shooting drones over our heads out of the air. We're blessed to be Americans, and we're blessed to be living in the United States of America. And we've just got to begin to stop taking that stuff 
for granted. We've got to just dig in and grab a hold of the truth and nothing but the truth. Speaking of that, Jonathan Turley, constitutional expert, he weighed in yesterday, kind of concerned about all the noise and stuff he's hearing about people using free speech to attack others to steal their right to free speech. This is almost impossible to believe. Let's bring in Jonathan Turley now, a constitutional law attorney, George Washington University law professor, and a Fox News contributor. Jonathan, great to see you. This was more from the pro-Palestinian protesters at today's hearing. Listen. Over 10,000 people have been killed. You're trying to silence the free speech of students. I'm speaking up against genocide become Palestinian students should not be censored. So there seems to be a growing focus now on free speech on these college campuses as we see this rise in anti-Semitism and threats, quite frankly, happening on college campuses all over. Please weigh in on this moment, Jonathan. Well, you know, Sandra, what you saw in that committee hearing is nothing new for many of us in academia. Uh, we've seen these types of deplatforming efforts, as it's called, uh, successfully used uh, on campuses to prevent others from hearing opposing views. That's what ripping down these Hamas hostage flyers are all about. It's, it's, it, these people believe that it's an exercise of free speech to keep others from speaking. You know, I have a, one of my kids at George Washington University just uh, uh, a few days ago saw a person walking through the campus ripping down uh, those hostage flyers, including right in front of our law school. Um, that sense of entitlement uh, didn't just develop this week. It's really been taught to these students, uh, and it's been taught to them, including by university professors. There are professors uh, that believe that silencing others is a form of free speech. It's told them that free speech is harmful uh, and has to be controlled. Uh, you have major media that is now expressing shock, but the New York Times you know, published pieces by a professor uh, who said that he was totally okay with protesters killing conservatives. So the New York Times, which banned Senator Cotton, uh, had no problem in publishing people like that. So for those of us who've been on college campuses for years and watched conservatives, libertarians, dissenting faculty silenced, this is not new. Uh, and indeed, many of the faculty now objecting have not been heard before in the last few weeks. And I'm glad that we're beginning to focus on uh, what is happening on our campuses. But perhaps there's going to be more than just a focus on that. Um, perhaps there will be accountability. You've got now the education secretary warning schools could lose federal funds if they don't adequately fight uh, this growing anti-Semitism. But the colleges are certainly under a lot of pressure in this moment. Um, every word they say, every statement they put out. What do you believe the college campuses need to do in this moment? Well, you know, I've, I've said that I oppose efforts to ban uh, Palestinian groups uh, because I believe that we need to protect free speech for everyone. And at the same time, however, people need to feel safe. A lot of the students at GW, other campuses, don't feel safe uh, because of the rhetoric that's being used uh, by many of these protests. And so universities have to walk that fine line. But higher education is based on free expression and free thought. 
and we we have to be resistant to banning of groups while also insisting that groups have to refrain from threatening language and most importantly we need to discipline students who are tearing down flyers preventing others from speaking uh, we should have been doing that for years and we should do that now it'll be really interesting to see uh, where the white house goes with this i want to highlight obviously we're watching what's happening on capitol hill and we'll, we'll, we'll we're about to hear from this white house who also has struggled with their messaging. We mentioned Karine Jean-Pierre and this buggled message she had from her right. microphone yesterday that she quickly had to then go and clarify via a statement and a tweet uh, about her response to those that are ripping down um, the pictures of the kidnapped children uh, in this country. This, is a, this seems to be a moment um, that is highlighting a lot of where we stand as a country, young people, government officials and beyond. We're not going to get to the bottom of it because people don't want to get to the bottom of it. They want to have the total free, free freedom to say anything, do anything without any accountability. That's what we're facing. Well, that's a wrap on Thursday. You guys have a great day today. We'll finish the week together tomorrow. Join us 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Have a great day.